Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Bergen, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burden here today with Mark Graney. Mark has a degree in international relations and political science. In his research for the number one New York Times bestselling Gray Man novels, he has traveled to more than 35 countries and trained alongside military and law enforcement in the use of firearms, battlefield medicine, and close-range combative tactics. The latest book in the Gray Man series, Burner, goes on sale February 21st, 2023. Mark, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Hey, Fred. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Burner. Well, Burner is the 12th of my Gray Man series, the 12th book. Um, although it is a standalone, you don't have to read any of the other books, uh, but it all runs around the uh, my protagonist, my hero, a guy named Court Gentry, who's a former CIA paramilitary officer who, at this stage of his career, he's Kind of called back to the, by the CIA to uh, seek out and find a trove of files that were stolen from a Swiss bank that that are detailing Russian bribes to leaders in the West, and he has to bring this information to light before a treaty that can be signed that's going to protect Russian government and mafia interests at the expense of Ukrainian lives. So the book basically, it's you know, it's a big thriller, a lot of action, but then a lot of like real geopolitical things that are happening in the world. It sounds like it's kind of ripped from the headlines with everything that's going on in Russia and the Ukraine today. Yeah, that's the idea. I was already starting to write a book last year uh, before the war started about um, Russian foreign intelligence money going through a Swiss bank and how that could be exposed. But as the war uh, kicked off, I you know did a lot of research and kind of spent my time trying to prognosticate where things might be in a year, uh, which is obviously a dicey proposition. But, you know, I wrote the book with, you know, kind of the understanding last spring and summer that, you know, we would still be, Ukraine would still be, you know, fighting off the Russians and the Russians would still hold a lot of territory. But, um, you know, also a big aspect of this story is leaders in the West who are wanting to kind of have peace at all costs, even at the expense of Ukrainians. And I have seen, you know, a good bit of that uh, you know, faltering resolve in the West, uh, not as much as I expected, but there is some of that. So that's that's what the book is about. Yeah, it sounds like it's a very intriguing plot line. Heck, we were trying to figure out uh, all the terrorist groups that the Russian KGB was, or the, at the time back in the day, the Soviet KGB was involved with on my watch. And we really didn't get a lot of transparency into that after the wall fell. Right. Right. And it, then it all sort of came out. And, um, you know, it was it was in their interest, I guess, just as it, it was in our interest to uh, to, you know, the, the whole domino theory and all that was was very important back then. 
for sure. Training, funding, operational assistance, safe houses. Uh, it was it was right out of a Mark Graney novel. Now, this is your 12th gray man by my count. Mm-hmm. How do you go about keeping a storyline for 12 books? Is that a challenge now? I know we've had Brad Thor and Jack Carr and now Mark Graney with his 12th. How how difficult is that for you to keep court running? Uh, it is difficult, and it gets more difficult every year. Uh, I guess I thought it would get easier, but it's just the opposite. Um, to try and put your character in different situations, you always want – I always want every book to be standalone so people don't have to read 11 books before they pick this one up. But at the same time, you want to have this longer story arc for your hero. And that's always a challenge because I want to, I want him to grow as a person. I want the effects of some of the things that happened to him, bad and good, mostly bad, I guess, um, to have, uh, you know, some staying power and, and change who he is. So, you know, it's just, it's just a credo, in fiction writing, your your hero just can't have the same, you know, can't be in the same place at the end of the book they were in the in the beginning of the book. There needs to be some sort of growth and change. And that's actually really interesting to me. Like the psychology of it all is like super interesting to me. And um, it's also very interesting to me to 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 research things that are happening in the world and adapting them. Because I, you know, I grew up on Tom Clancy and and Forsyth and people like that. And they had a, a whole lot of like very realistic underpinnings to their their thrillers, which were also wide, wildly entertaining. So that's what I'm always trying to do. Well, you've been extraordinarily successful at it. And I think you're underestimating your, your history. Uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, Mark actually worked with Tom Clancy, which is just for a person like me, when I was a young agent, I always had a Clancy novel tossed in my bag as I was going around the world. And for you to have worked with uh, such an icon of the industry is just in itself a statement of your capabilities. And if you had to look back now, and if someone said to you, what's the most interesting thing you learned in working with Clancy, what would that be? You know, part of me thinks it would have, you know, I did a lot of location research for the books that we wrote together. I I was the guy on the ground in Moscow or Beijing or St. Petersburg and uh, Berlin, wherever. And obviously, I already had my own books out, a few paperback novels out before I started working with Clancy. But you just had this feeling that the scope was different, the, the stakes were different, the impact on you know the the number of people obviously who'll be reading it and and having an opinion one way or the other about it was completely different so um i felt incredibly unprepared but after having done uh, you know we did three with i did three with tom while he was still alive and then he passed away and i remember just feeling you know at the very beginning that it was way i was in way over my head but by the end of the third book i felt like I was the right guy to carry on the the stories after that. So, I mean, really what I learned was just growing a story in breadth and in depth because Clancy books, you know, have a lot of depth to them, but they're also, you know, the, the whatever the, the actions of whatever the, the main plot is, but then they also have kind of a wide ranging 40,000 foot view of, of, of the world, which I hadn't written like that before. 
And so I just, I think it really changed the way that I learned to write. In fact, my fourth gray man book, which is called Dead Eye, um, I, I see that as the first book of kind of a new me because I'd started, I'd been working with Clancy at that point. And I feel, feel like you can read my first three books and then read book four and go like, wow, this is a completely different style of writing. I think also that how you've taken your books to the film is simply an unbelievable story, meaning The Gray Man is now a Netflix movie. So walk us through how that happened. And what was that like to see one of your books actually be turned into a film that's that's watched by millions of people and starring Ryan Gosling? When I initially was offered the uh, some money from Hollywood to, for them to make a film, you know, it's a, it's a million to one shot, even if they even if you sign a, a film option contract. But this was a couple months before the book came out, my first book, The Gray Man. And I'd never been published before and I was being published, but it was just a mass market paperback, which is, you know, kind of like getting your getting your hand on the lowest rung of the publishing ladder. But I was I was really happy to be there. But, you know, this was about a month before the book came out and I was hoping there'd be some sort of interest or excitement in this you know, book. And when we signed the deal with Hollywood, to me, 100 it was 100 percent. So I could say that when I was on my tiny little book tour or talking to a a book club in Memphis, you know, that had been optioned for Hollywood. And that's as far as I ever thought it would get. And then, you know, a few years later, it got close to being made by one studio and that kind of fell by the wayside. And then Sony picked it up and it got close again and it fell apart again. So by the time they announced, you know, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and Billy Bob Thornton and all these people were going to do it, I didn't believe for a second it was going to happen. And I was telling everybody something was, you know, was something was going to derail this project one way or the other <laughs> um and even it, shooting was delayed like six weeks because of covid and i was telling all my friends i was like well see i told you covid is gonna you know kill this if nothing else will and then when it came out you know i was i was incredible i'm very happy with it uh some of my fans think it's not close enough to the the actual book i kind of like the fact that if you see the movie you still need to read the book <laughs> and there's different plot lines and very different things here and there and, you know, I've always looked at the film as like the best possible commercial for my writing. And if you're a writer, you want eyeballs on your work. And, and uh, you know, it's definitely done that for me. So I'm, I'm very happy with how it's going. Well, it was a great film. Uh, I simply loved it. I know many of our uh, staff here at Ontic also watched it and uh, thought it was brilliant. And it was uh, very well done. And I thought your lead character was just tremendous in that. Now, yeah. It's got to be, though, a surreal experience sitting back, watching this unfold. I've seen statements by, you know, like the legendary John Lacari talking about this. And it's like one of these experiences, like, is that really mine? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had read the script, but I'd read every script that had been written by different studios and, you know, with different actors in mind. And there was actually one script I read over the years, uh, you know, probably about 2016 or 17. And I read it and I thought, well, if this hadn't been called The Gray Man and they changed a couple of names, I wouldn't even recognize this. I'd see this in the theater and it would have nothing to do. I wouldn't even associate it. But yeah, so this one, there's, you know, there's scenes that are absolutely ripped right out of the book 100 percent. And um, and it's fascinating to see those. And it's also fascinating to see where they made changes sometimes. 
you know, there were some bits of dialogue where I was like, oh, that was really good. I wish I thought of that. And there was other bits of dialogue where I, you know, I thought, you know, I think my line landed a little better than their line did, but that's just my opinion. And, um, you know, the thing is, is I, I created a, a novel and then the, the directors, it's not their job to engineer that novel from a page to celluloid. It's their job to, you know, turn it into a whole different medium and, you know, do their version of it. And they're creative people just like I am. So I knew there was going to be changes. Um, but it is surreal to see the points that are really, really close to how I wrote them. And then some of the differences are fascinating too, because I wouldn't have expected or thought of them. Were you able to play a cameo role in the film? No, I was never on set or anything. They they had pretty strict COVID protocols um, and they are doing a second film. So I, I really hope you know, I get to at least go to set. Hopefully we're not in a pandemic. Hopefully for a lot of reasons, we're not in a pandemic. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I wasn't on set at all. I had sort of consulted with the directors, the Russo brothers, uh, a few years before as they were beginning to write the script. So, you know, we were friendly with each other and we we had talked over the years. But um, when the, when the movie was actually happening, I was seeing pictures of it on Twitter, kind of like everybody else. That's an amazing story. Now, Mark, let me take you back. Uh, you look at where you are today. You've worked with Tom Clancy. You've got your 12th Gray Man novel coming out. You've had a major film made. You got another one that's uh, scheduled to be made. Did you ever think that you would be here when you put together your first book? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, and I've heard other authors talk about you know their their plan that they had and everything, and you know respect to them. But I. I when I was writing a book, my ultimate ambition was to hold a physical book in my hand that had my name on it and some piece of art and the name of whatever the book was and, you know, my words on the inside. And that was as really as far as I thought about it. And I still remember when my editor, who had picked up The Gray Man, um, and it was going to come out, you know, in a few months, he said, you know, he he asked if I would turn it into a series. And I remember thinking like, oh, well, what's the next one about? And then you're like, oh, gosh, it's your job. To, <laughs> it's my job <laughs> to find out what the next one's about. And uh, and so, yeah, I did a two book deal, additional two books before the first one came out. And I remember thinking to myself, it's like, wow, I have to quit, I have to quit my day job because I, I had an opportunity to do some ghostwriting. Then this is pre Clancy. And uh, and I thought, OK, I, I guess I can, I'm a professional writer now. I'm not <laughs> going to be rich at it or, you know, really that success, successful at it. But I need to give this a couple of years. So I never had any um, thoughts of certainly never a movie. I was literally the one person I was at the uh, the, the uh, premiere in Hollywood and I was getting interviewed and they're like, what do you think about all this? And I'm like, I'm the like one person here out of thousands going like, what is going on right now? I can't believe <laughs> this is happening. And I still sort of feel that way. You know, it, um, it, they're supposed to make a second film and I'm sure I will just be standing there gobsmacked that, you know, it's become a franchise. But, you know, it's a great, great situation to be in. Well, Mark, good things happen to good people. And um, I've talked to you enough in various interviews over the years to know that uh, the success uh, is is well earned, and I Thank simply you. love your website. Uh, we were chatting about this uh, earlier at uh, OnTech, and I love how you've got it broken down, and you've got the gray man world there, and you've broken it into enemies and weapons and journeys in yeah. your research section. As I look back to Burner again, that's going to be published on February twenty first. Are we going to see 
court gentry with any new weapons? Uh, let me think about that. Um, yeah, th there's actually some really, uh, you asked me earlier, how do I keep things going? And, and it, I always have to do things different than I've done them before. So there's some creative marksmanship, let's say that happens in this book that, uh, is, is, uh, improbable, but possible, <laughs> let's say, wow. um, there, there, yeah, there's, so there's a, there's a scene in the book that's, I think it's 88 pages. So it's literally about 15% of the, it's a large novel. So it's about 15% of the novel that takes place on a high speed train between Milan and Geneva. And I actually went over to, uh, I actually wrote the first draft of the book without going over there. Cause I'd been to those places before and I didn't think I needed to do the on the ground location research, but I wrote this, uh, very involved action scene on a train and, turned in the first draft and immediately went over to Europe to take this train ride just to, because it, it just didn't feel like I had it written accurately enough. And so I took the train ride and took all the pictures and walked around for the four hour ride. And you, you go through this thing called the Simplon tunnel uh, between the, the border of Italy and Switzerland. And I wanted to experience that. And it made the book a whole lot better, but there are some, some really crazy action in there 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 are some weapons some let's say improvised weapons that you'll see there um that i've never used in a gray man book before so there are things of that nature do you ever see a day where the gray man doesn't exist mark sure um i i really enjoy doing them i i'm doing one now for next year and i'll I'm, there's at least one more in the contract after that i i hope to keep doing them um but I do, you know, at some point you start to go, all right, are there more books behind me than ahead of me? <laughs> because it, I, I never want to turn it. I never want to do the same thing. I want every book to feel different and, um, you know, like it's its own thing. And I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm just, you know, fulfilling a contract by rubber stamping some some words on a page. So it's pretty important to me that, you know, I'm very proud of all of them. So there will be a point where I can't do one a year. I need, I'll need more time to come up with something. And then there'll probably come a point where I can't keep doing them. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with my stride right now with the, with the one a year. So we'll hope, hope to keep that going. And I imagine that uh, the visual depiction that you take, taking the, the camera shots and so forth, help you reconstruct these scenes once you get back home. Absolutely. I do. Um, I just film everything, take pictures of everything. Um, on on that research trip specifically, I went to Zurich for several days because there's uh, some action scenes and just sort of some human uh, tradecraft scenes that take place in in Switzerland in, in Zurich. So I wanted to like kind of walk the streets and figure out the angles and whatnot. And then with the with the train scene, it was all about you know describing things in this three dimensional kind of but linear situation where you have multiple uh, parties contesting one another i think there's four different groups of people that are all after the same thing on this train ride and you know it all goes it all goes crazy at some point and to to get that realistic enough i, I have this mantra that if i am confused about my writing i'm sure the readers are going to be really confused so i have to i have to see everything else you know, see everything perfectly in my head before uh you know it gets published mark is there anything that i haven't asked you that you would like to say about burner well, I, I I guess I would just reiterate that it's a you know it's a fun espionage novel with the the twists and turns and shifting allegiances and all those sorts of things that that are in other gray man novels, but it is uh, rooted very kind of accurately in today's world. And as I said a year ago when I was writing it, I was 
telling myself, all right, you're walking into a minefield here because things could be so different. The reality could be so different uh, a year from now when the book comes out that this book is completely obsolete or irrelevant. But I think I did a pretty good job of anticipating where we would be a year from now. Certainly, there's nothing in the book that's beyond the realm of possibilities at this point. Um, and it was a lot of work, but but I think it's the type of book that I enjoy. I, I feel like I learned something without being taught something, without without being lectured about something. You know, you're able to have a good time, but but enjoy it. So I hope readers get that experience out of it. I'm sure they will, my friend. Burner comes out on February 21st. Thank you so much, Mark Graney, for being on the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Fred. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.